And we say hello to you here for episode 12 of the Cherokee Rewind. How you guys doing out there, man? My name is Mick. I thank you so much for hanging out with us. Well, we got through the first 11 relatively unscathed. And, um, of course, you never know what the 12th one because that, that, the, does, the, the number dozen goes to uh, Drew Mr. Troy Bowes. Uh, former Cherokee player played. You were a defenseman, weren't you? Yeah. yeah. Back then, yep. The defenseman later on became a a uh, coach, also a referee for a while. I remember, and uh, just a little bit of everything, man. So, kind of you were. That's how you were with the Cherokee. You were like jack of all trades, and uh, you could you could do a little bit of everything, man. So, you know, those guys coming. Those guys are they come in handy, very much so. But um, first of all, how you doing? I'm doing good, Mick. One, I just want to thank you for having me out. It's been a pleasure, and uh, I'm looking forward to having a good little talk with you this afternoon. A good conversation starter here. As we come to you live here from the Chateau Louise Bar and Grill, wonderful food, great drinks, all everything you need. If you want to wet your whistle or grab a great meal, they've got everything you need here, and it's all wonderful. So be sure if you get a chance to come out here, man, tell them you heard about it on the Cherokee Rewind, and uh you won't get any big special thing, you know. They might they might throw you out, but because of me. But you know, the, they they're wonderful people here at the Chateau Louise, and we thank them and, uh, for letting us come here to do these. And uh, well, we're going to get things rolling here with Mr. Troy Bose. And Troy, uh, what years did you play in a Cherokee uniform? So I played in o two o three, which that season was uh, it was a stacked roster, man. We had yeah, a really really good. St- Really, really good squad. We had a lot of local kids uh, that made the jump from the high school level to the junior level that year with myself, Brett Molnar, Ben Kabicki, Larry Willard, uh, Brett Lindstrom was a defenseman with us. We just had a really, really good squad. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't I couldn't disagree with you there. There was some really talented – and, of course, Willard – uh, he's the one they all called Boogie, if I'm not mistaken. So Larry actually had that nickname all the way from the Minimite level when we grew up playing together. His mom always called him Boogie, so that's what he went by was Boogie. <laughs> I, I don't want to know how he earned it from her, but uh, that kid could fly, though. I will say that. He had some hands, and if I'm not mistaken, didn't he score five goals and I think it's a record, in, well, now that the CSHL is gone, it'll always be. But he scored five goals in a game five different ways. Yeah. He that, had a power play, a penalty kill, a full strength, and I think he actually ended up with a natural hat trick to top it off. Like, and he also had a penalty shot. The back of the net, no question. Yeah. He also had a penalty shot. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, he did it all. Oops, sorry about that. There, my got some demons here in, in this uh, in my mixing board, but uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll gut through it as we always do. It so, may be that they just don't want to listen to me. It could be that too. So, well, this is this is before you, so it's probably more than likely me. Anyhow, uh, Troy, I mean, being a local guy, uh, talk about your start here. How you got started uh, playing the game? So it's actually funny. Like I started playing hockey at the age of three and a half. And Boogie, Larry Willard, was one of my teammates in that learn-to-play program. And ironically, Bob Zion was our instructor for the learn-to-play program. Wow. So, like, we're going back a little bit. And Bob was known. He'd have a bucket, a five-gallon bucket. And it wasn't full of pucks. It was tennis balls, and he had the folding chair, and he just dumped the balls out, and we'd just go. And he'd instruct us from there. Um, 
but then the Cherokee came around. I want to say it was like 91, 92 was their inaugural season. And my dad was actually working the pro shop at the time. Oh, my. And it was funny because I listened to your last podcast, episode 11, with uh, Kellemeyer. Yeah. And he actually worked in the pro shop with my dad. So it was Kellemeyer. It was Brandon Rogers. Uh, Bob Rose, I think, was a year or two ahead of them. He worked in there. So, like, I was at the rink all the time, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it's funny because I, I, being a little guy at the time, like, I don't remember distinctly, but, like, Keller Miller was like, oh, it it was hard to pack the place at Tambo. I I remember it being full all the time, especially on those Sunday, like, 3.30, 3.45 games when St. Louis would come in town. Yeah. They, well, they would pack the place. Well, that was because they had – I mean, there were a lot of scouts that would come in there to see those guys play. Well, it was that, and Small would always have, like, Small Day. If you wore your jersey, yeah, you, you got, got in for free. Yeah, well, they also Chuck had... LeMay ended up picking me up, mm-hmm. standing by the door to the locker room. He's like, you're here a lot of the games. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you want to go move the nets for us? So after that, I, I'd start bringing my skates to the rink every game of the Cherokee and I'd move the nets in between period and like I just fell in love with the program because you did you had Searing you had Zion you had Omi who ended up being my head coach at the time was Omi yeah and I just took off from there and flourished you know I, I it's funny because you know you you don't realize the impact that this team has had on the youth the little guys mm-hmm. you know because I think it was a guy uh Tony Corsini and I had a conversation one time when, well, back when he was with the Cherokee. And he said that, he goes, I remember as a kid, he was, I think he was from like Lambertville or something like that. Yeah, he was just across the border. Yeah, so he, uh, he talked about how when he was a little guy, that all his friends and stuff that played hockey, they looked at the Cherokee, the junior team, like rock stars, yeah. you know, and stuff. And I, you know, I never, I never realized how big of an impact and how big of an impression those guys made on the little guys, and you know, and then it dawned on me. It was like they made an impression on me because that's what made me want to be a part of the organization and do play-by-play, and I did it for twenty years. So obviously meant something to me, made an impression on me. And it is. It, it's just not, I was thinking about this on the way up here, like, it's not just the Ice House anymore. Yeah. Like, they had a huge impact over at Sylvania. And I think the few years that we were in Monroe, we still had a decent following up there. But yep. you think about it, like, they've touched a lot of different little local hockey communities where people want to be a part of this program. I, 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 can't, I can't disagree with you. You know, Troy, the other thing, too, the, you look at what it has become, you know, and, of course, it was guys like, you know, back in the day, I, you know, Rusty McKee, uh, uh, Adam Edinger, John Cotton, mm-hmm. and then, of course, the, the guys like Jason Renegar, uh, Mike Kellemeyer, Avink, uh, Brick, Scott Bricker, uh, Justin Benjamin, Later on, uh, Jeremy LaBianca, Max Howell, guys like that that just came on. And it's those guys on their shoulders this program was built. And, of course, obviously in coaching, Omi, the names Omi, Searing, Zion, Duncan, Varga, uh, just a whole. Miller. Whole, Miller, yep. Well, that's the current, the current uh, breed, yeah. You know, not only, uh, not only Kenny, but Kelly as well with the younger guys. So, you know, I mean, the, the, the number of guys that we've 
seen that have helped create this program and what it is now is something that you can't uh, dismiss or think not give it the full credit that's due. It really has been something that's been special. Absolutely. And now, let's talk about you for a little bit. Um, you you went through the you went through house or with the from the being little guys on up. Uh, what made you decide that you wanted to go into juniors um, as opposed to uh, having a fantastic high school career? So my thing again, it, it stems back to that. 96, 97, 97, 98 team. Like I grew up at the rink. I was watching those guys and seeing the caliber hockey. At that point, like Kelly said, or uh, Kellemeyer said on your last episode, like there wasn't a lot of junior programs around at that time. There really wasn't. And I did my freshman, sophomore year at Whitmer. And I, ironically, it's funny that I actually used to babysit Kelsey and Kyler Omi. Oh, my god! Because they lived down around the corner from me, like four houses. So I would babysit them, and the first team I ever coached was a house mini-mite team, and Kyler was on it. Oh, my. So, like, I came real close with the Omis, and they had watched me, and uh, Todd actually played with my uncle at Whitmer back on the 82 state runner-up team Okay. at Whitmer. So, like, he followed me, and he came to myself and my parents at the end of my sophomore year, like, hey, we really think he should try out. So I tried out. And I think it was the second day of tryouts. It was like the first skate. It was a Saturday morning skate. And we were in a full-on full scrimmage, and he came up to me. Actually, I think it was Billy Baker came up to me. Oh, Bakes. I yeah. remember. Yep. So you know you know where that's going. Of course. So Bakes comes up to me. He's like, hey, coach wants to see you play defense. And I just looked at him like, I'm a forward. <laughs> I played forward my entire life. Like, I'm a forward. He goes, do you want to make this team or not? I'm like, hey, I need to go out and play defense. So he, he shuffled the deck and put me out of defense. And after that, it was kind of like history. I ended up seeing my name on the roster and making the team and making it to main camp. And I battled against some really, really solid local kids that were full-time defensemen that were really good and were getting looks elsewhere. And one of them being Blake Oliver. The kid had a shot. Oh, yeah. Like, I know that guy, like, He's broken ankles with a slap shot in high school games. Wow. And so I just took a leap of faith, and you had Mike Robertson was the GM at the time because LeMay stepped away, and he was kind of like a, a behind-the-scenes partner. And you had Billy Baker and Kevin Omi and Todd Omi. Oh, my. And bringing back some memories. Yeah, and that was the first – that was our first year going to Monroe. Yep. And at that point, I was like – I'm going to take a, faith, a leap of faith and just try to make the move. And I, I fared well for myself. I didn't play every game. Like, I had a lot of defensive skill in front of me. Brett Lindstrom, um, Dan Mays. I had those guys out there. And it was like, I learned a few things just from watching them in practice, which helped me in the long run. Maybe not playing career, but it helped me coaching-wise for sure. Holy smokes. Now, I mean, you look at uh... – at some of those guys, um, who were some of the guys that when you saw them, you thought uh, <laughs> he might have a future in, in you know making license plates? Because there had to be some characters on that team, crazy guys. Well, 
I'm thinking of the roster and like I'm thinking on the way up here because you've had 20 years, so all the names just run together. Yeah. So like that specific team, you had Kelly Kester was our captain. Holy smokes. Mike Opit. Opie. Todd Belaskowitz. Belasco, yep, from Pittsburgh. Dan Mays, Cole Herb, Jonathan Hale, PJ Pinkerton, like all these guys. Like they were studs. Yep. And like PJ, he was a he was a rookie the same year I was. He was a full time defenseman. He's moved on to better things. Jonathan's got his own dentistry over in Fort Wayne. Like they're all doing well. I actually it's funny because I say Dan Mays a few times already, and I'm like I was just talking to him, trying to find out who he's recruiting so I could recruit the same guys to come to my school rather than going to Tryon University. Mm-hmm. And now he's moved on to be the director of a AAA program in Pittsburgh instead of over at Trying. Yep. I mean, it's, it's amazing how the, a lot of the guys from that team, uh, you know. Mike McCaskey was between the pipes. That's right. That's right. I had Mike McCaskey and Kevin Mims. Oh my gosh! And uh, and Mims was a whale of Greenberg. a Oh yeah, Greenberg was those, our third string. Yeah, and yeah. I mean th- those guys—they were those were some outstanding goaltenders. That's yeah. the thing, McCaskey, and especially Kevin Mims. I think he kind of—he was very under undervalued because yeah, he, we had Mike, we had McCaskey. He was a veteran. The kid could stand on his head, mm-hmm. but when Mims got called, like he he could stand in there with anybody. He, he could win a game for you. You know, Absolutely. I mean, he could. And that's how he was, and 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 Greeny was just kind of you know, as an, an insurance policy, and yeah. you know he wasn't he wasn't a bad goalie either. That's no. the thing; he was a darn good goaltender. Now you know we talk about Blaskowitz. I remember Blasco; he, that dude was a few fries short of a Happy Meal. Then I can only imagine. I'm sure, like most of them, he grew up and trying to behave himself. But it's got to be funny because. I mean, that guy used to do some wild things that in the locker rooms, most of which we can't talk about here. Yeah. But I'm sure there's probably one or two things. Now, that was all. That was the year, the start of the Fort Wayne experience. Yeah, because we had all the kids from Fort Wayne. Well, we had Blaskowitz, we had Hale, we had Cole Herb. Well, Hale and Herb were from Fort um, Wayne. I think Blasco was from Pittsburgh, wasn't he? Uh, or yeah, Blaskowitz was Pittsburgh. Uh, was it Hoy played that year? Chris Hoy, or was that Chris before? Hoy was he was back in between us and uh, what was it Texacana? He kept coming yep. back from the T Rex. He bounced back and forth, and then we had uh, Kobe Peters. Ah, yes, the 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 mighty the mighty tiny but mighty Kobe tiny Pe- but mighty for sure. That guy was a real crap. Disturber. And we had two of them on the team that year. We had him and we had uh, Todd Miola. Oh yeah, from Jersey. Yeah, I remember him. Or, or no, he was NYC, I think, wasn't he? Well, was he, he? I think he was, was a Jersey, Jersey boy. He was a Jersey. Pretty okay, sure he was a Jersey boy. Yeah, I remember they called him the Diamond Cutter. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we'll leave that alone. Yeah. Anyhow, but uh, he, I mean, those, like I said, those are some of the funny things. And you know, if I remember, was that also the year that we had another program coming, or that was I think later. That the CEHL came in? That was maybe four or five years. No, it might have been no, it was just like, at like three or four years. Because I know Toledo played in Monroe for at least two. Yeah, they played two years. It wasn't more than two. And then the Ice House opened in 03. Okay. And, and then they had the Junior Ice Diggers. Yep. And then the Wolfpack joined, which was the CEHL. CEHL, yep. Yeah. That's what, the, the, I mean, oh my gosh. Because I remember a couple of those guys went on to play with the Wolfpack. Yeah. And, and actually, it was, 
I think it was the first year back at the ice house, the first year at the ice house, I should say, mm-hmm. because we had tryouts and they had the Cherokee, the ice diggers and the wolf pack came, I think the second year. Okay. At ice house. Holy and cow. we had, we had three junior programs running out of one rink. That's insane. You don't ever see anything like that. No. And across all levels, they were all good competition. Yeah. They were very good competition. I've looked back at the team that I was just naming off. Like, we were skilled. But back then, the dynamic of the game was completely different. Yeah. We were in between that transition from the complete rough and tough to the finesse level. Because mm-hmm. on that team, you had Kelly Kester. You had Larry Willard, who were all skilled. But then at the same time, on the same sheet of ice, you had Todd Belaskowitz, Dan Mays, Cole Herb. Herb had the hands of stone, man. That kid was like, he walked to the beat of his own drum. But if you challenged him to a fight. He would never back down. Nope. And that was number one. Number two, he wouldn't lose. No. If you got a shot in on him, he'd laugh at you. And there was, and one, then he dropped you. Yeah, there was one game. Like I remember, we were in Monroe, and we always had to help you take the glass, the sheet of glass, out of the window for you to call. Oh a yeah, game. that's right. That's and right. It was like three bouts back to back to back. And it was Cole Herb, Belaskowitz, and then Dan Mays. Like the trifecta of all the tough guys on our team, right there. Like you don't get to see that. No, and <laughs> and the funny part about it, they weren't just the like the biggest toughest guys in our team they were the big some of the biggest toughest guys in our league they were i mean Mays, you know we always called him bobby but bobby ooh, nobody messed with him i mean even though he was the most not quiet, even a locker room <laughs> and what was funny was he was the most quiet polite unassuming kid you'd ever want to meet yeah. you, you would know? never assume that from bobby no you never. wouldn't and it's like it was like you mess with him on the ice or one of his team line mates and forget it you know, you were done. You were done like dinner. Yeah. Because he would destroy you. And Herb, Herb wasn't out looking for fights, but like I said, he was just—he had that wacko sense of humor. He was, like I said, he walked to the. I'll never forget when he had his hair dyed and he put leopard spots in it. <laughs> that I—that's I, a whole different topic. If you want to talk about rookie haircuts, like those, those haircuts that they had us. Like I remember mine distinctly, because Chase Gunning did mine. Oh. Chase did mine, and I had the reverse mohawk. Like, I looked like I had a, a set of, like, winter earmuffs from 1980 <laughs> where I just had a strip of hair from ear to ear. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And unfortunately for, well, it's my wife now, but at the time it was my girlfriend, I had to go see our newborn niece because she was born that day. Oh, no. So I came back from practice, and I put a ball cap on, and I told her, I was like, today was rookie haircut day. She's like, okay, how bad could it be? Well, she showed up to my parents' house, and she ended up bawling <laughs> because I looked like, at the front side, I looked like RoboCop because there was no hair in the front. There was no hair in the back. Oh, and I, my honestly, God. Honestly, I think the two best haircuts out of all of them were Jonathan Hale and what? Kevin Mims. Okay, what did Hale have? Hale had long hair at the time, and they cleaned him up, and they gave him a mohawk. And our first game for the rookie game where they started all the rookies was down with the. So our, our first game with the rookie haircuts was actually down with the uh, Columbus crush at the time. So that's how far back that was. You're talking the Columbus crush. Like nobody knows who they were. And he had this, 
we went out for warm-ups. He goes in the locker room. He goes in the bathroom. He gels up his hair. And he's got this six- to seven-inch-tall mohawk going front to back. And he's standing on the blue line because he was playing defense. Mims had the mullet. They shaved him into a mullet because he had longer hair with the jerry curls in the back. Oh, yeah. But they gave him the uh, vanilla ice Rob Van Winkle lightning bolts in his side. (laughs) So he started the game that night. And it was like, we look like a bunch of misfits out there. (laughs) God. And then, of course, Cole Herb with the leopard spots. And then Cole with the leopard spots. We had a couple of cow patches. I know a couple of guys got the the cow patch hair, and then they had the reverse cow patch where they just went in and bicked up different spots and left them bald. I forget who it was had the male uh, male pattern baldness haircut. Like, they did as good. Like, we had some good times on that team. But, like, you were going back and you said, like, not only were we the toughest team in the league, but we were really skilled. Like even those guys that could drop the mitts, they could play. Yeah, they didn't. They weren't there for just to be to be rough and tumble. They could actually produce. Yeah. And what's funny is I remember was that the year we went to where did we go and we won in the playoffs? I think Peoria maybe. Was it Peoria or Grand Rapids? It was one. I think it might have been Peoria. Yeah, I think it was Peoria that we went in there and. Um, now, again, if I'm throwing out names purely from memory, so if it's the wrong year, you, uh, forgive me, but uh, was that the year that we came back to tie it and send it to overtime? Yes. That was like, I think Robbie Jornby was on that team. Uh, Is he the one? Or, no, no, Jornby was a couple years later. Okay. But uh, we won in Peoria. That's all I remember. And I ended up getting a haircut because I told the guys, I said, if we came back, because we were down, I think it was best of three, we were down one game to none and if we if we won the series i told them they could cut my hair oh and they did how'd that fare for you uh uh when you're my size you know a pretty pretty hefty guy and you got a big fat head and they shave it into a Hare krishna Ooh, <laughs> a little rough yeah it was not a little it was very <laughs> rough i ended up when i got home i wore a ball cap and when i got home i shaved the rest of it off and but you are a man of your words, so and you stuck with it. And now, the year, a couple of years later, I made the same offer, and they did it again. But they wanted to shave me. And But at that time, this was like in 06, I was working in television. So I was, I was working with BCSN, so I couldn't let them do what they wanted to do to me. So I told her, I said, I'm sorry, but I can't let you do that. I said, you know, if you want to just buzz me, that's fine. But they said, nah, don't worry about it. But So they let me slide, but, I mean, I was scared what they were going to oh, do. Yeah. So it was, was funny. That, that might have been Vargas' third year. I yeah, think Vargas so, was the coach because Vargas took over when they came back to Ice House. Yep, yep, that's yeah. right. And that's when because uh, Omi Omi was taking a break. Yeah, and so I just, I think Kyler was just getting towards high school. Yep. So he wanted to step back and watch Kyler play. Yeah, he yeah, and it didn't last very long because Christy kind of said. You need to get out of the house. I was just say, go. get out of the house for sure. Yep, that's that's just that's that's a that's the hockey wife for you. You know, that's just how they are. But uh, I I also remember um, trying to think here. You know, with of the Fort Wayne kids, we had a we had a guy, and again, this may be a different year, but very close to that. Um, no, that had no because we were still at Tamil. I was thinking of uh, another kid that I was thinking of that played defense. That was a scrawny defensive guy, Tony Pomponio. 
He was no, he wasn't from Fort Wayne. No, he wasn't. But I, he he was a uh, New Boston, Michigan. New Boston, Michigan. He, yep. He was on that same team that I played with. Oh, okay. We had Pomponio, and then we ended up with well, obviously we had Opid. Yep. Um, but well, we was, ended up having both Opids for at, at for a while. Yeah. So the year that I played, I had Mike, yep. and that was his age out year. Mm-hmm. And the following year, his brother played when Vargs was the coach. Yep. So we had we had both Opids. Uh, I'm, oh man, this is my I'm racking my brain here. No, I just remember Pomponio because we were at. He was another one that could drop the mitts. Oh. His first fight, uh, he hadn't even turned 16 yet. I talked about this in an earlier podcast, but it still bears repeating. The kid, they fought Columbus. He fought the heavyweight champ from Columbus who was an overager. You remember this. With one shot, one punch, broke his orbital bone, his cheekbone, his nose, and the kid was out on his feet, fell over, dropped, landed on his wrist, and broke his wrist. So it's funny you say that because the, the year after I played with Toledo... So I played like a half to three quarters of the season with Toledo. Okay. And then I ended up playing Little Caesars uh, Midget Double A. And there was a few guys the following year that played for TC on that team. Eric Burry, uh, Ryan Conley. Oh, man. So those boys all played with me up in Taylor. Okay. But that same year, trying to think who – no. The following year, when I tried out for the Cherokees, they had me come back as a veteran for the returners. And one of the bouts in tryouts was a really good one, and it was Kobe Peters and Todd Miola. <laughs> oh, my god! Two of the smallest guys on the ice yep. ended up dropping their gloves and just going at it, and they were both returning guys. Yep. And I think Peters caught Miola. Because Miola only played like half a season because he broke his ankle in the preseason. Yep. The first year we were playing the Wayne Wheels mm-hmm. in Wayne, and he snapped his ankle. So he played like the second half of the season. Came back the following year. is the first year the Ice House was open, and we moved back down there. And they ended up fighting in tryouts at the main camp. Holy cow. And I can't remember if it was Kobe or Todd broke the other one's nose, and it was like a faucet. All over the ice. But that that same year, I had my rights traded to the Michigan Ice Dogs. Okay. And we went down to Cincinnati. And like you were saying, uh, Pomponio's first fight. Knocked the guy out, broke all this. I had a defensive guy on our team. First fight ever at the junior level. Guy calls him out. He's like, all right, I got to go. Well, he runs in, fist pulled back, and just skates into this guy. And the guy one punches him. Out cold on his feet. Like, this guy's, my teammate's feet came off the ice and was just hanging there. Oh, my God. Well, after this, the game's over, we're like, dude, like, you got wrecked. Like, you got one-punched. Because I didn't know it was coming. We found out who it was. The guy he was fighting was actually a Golden Glove winner in the state of Ohio. Oh, my. <laughs> Holy Toledo. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. So, like, when I saw Pomponio do that in the following year, I see this guy, like, skate into a one-punch. like, do I really want to do that? Now, I got to ask you, was Ryan Potts on that team? 
Potts was a year before me. He aged out right as I was coming into the Cherokee organization. I, I remember bits and pieces about his one and only fight down in Cincinnati. and it, it, The Cobras. Yeah, the Cobras. They were the Cobras. Who else were they? They were the Steam. The What was it? The Queen City Steam? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if there was anybody else they were. Uh, I can't remember. They changed, they changed names like, like they changed change underwear. underwear yeah. yeah, they did. And they played in that that in two really less than enviable barns. Yeah, they did. They, I mean, we sportsplex we plus at, we played at the Cincinnati Sportsplex. Yep, and then they also played at the Northlands Arena, which was worse, as if you can imagine. I think the game. one game we played them at the Cincinnati Sportsplex, and then the second game we actually played them at the old Cincinnati Gardens, where the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks played yep. when Babcock was coaching. Yep. And that Which, was that cool. was it was cool, but I would rather play in the sports arena than the gardens. Well, anybody would, but I mean, the, of course, the sports arena had its own charm. Oh yeah, you know, I mean that that was old time hockey. If you were nitty gritty, you wanted to play in the sports arena because there was no coming out of the corner without getting beat up. Nope, I think it was what one eighty five by eighty. It was like half of what a normal ice rink is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, normal standard rinks eighty five across two hundred length. And uh, the sports arena was eighty across and a buck eighty five length. So and yeah. most like most times you go behind the net, there might be like three four foot. This was like a, a foot and a half. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, if you, you were a defenseman, you did not want to skate behind the net with a Ford checker coming in on you. You just well, didn't the, want to do well, it. Well, that's why, of course, why Toledo always had such gritty teams. So I mean, they just did. But I I know that. Um, the you know I was thinking about this the other day and uh, we talked about Northlands in Cincinnati was by far the wor- the worst barn we ever played in it because we did it they had literally I did play by play from a picnic table yeah rinkside yeah and the, the we didn't have locker rooms in there no they had uh, the sheets curtain, closed yeah, the closed string in the corner yep yep closed string that strung across and they hung sheets over them yep. That was it. That those were the locker rooms. Yeah, you know, I mean, even though there was locker rooms open, like that's that's where they got dressed. Yep. So you that was your locker room, and whether you liked it or not. Now, of course, you know, going up to Metro, my God, that was the coldest rink I ever have been in. I was telling somebody else in a previous podcast, I was like, in the middle of February, with the temperature hovering around zero, that was a warm up outside. That was a warm-up compared to going into to Metro's rink. Yeah, you walk into Lakeland, like they call the ice box on Telegraph and Brownstone yep. the ice box. No, no. You walk into Lakeland, it was like a meat factory. Well, it was the, yeah, the Lakeland Ice Arenas. It just you froze when you walk in there. Yeah, and you there was no heat in the stands. Nothing. There you was just, no heat in the locker rooms. Nope. Not even with the water. No, you froze. <laughs> that was it. You just knew, went in knowing you were going to freeze. So, now, uh, you know, the team, did they start? Because that was when they first started busing, I think. Did they not? Yeah, yeah we had Santa Claus as our bus driver. Oh, yeah. That was it. Carl? Carl. Yeah, he yeah. Had, Carl had a big beard. And yeah. He, had, look, he, he played Santa all the time. At, Absolutely. Yeah. That's funny. I can't tell you how many times, like, if I didn't dress, how many times kids in the bleachers on the away team would come up to him and sit on his lap thinking he was Santa Claus. Oh, my God. That is funny. And he would would go along with it. 
Well, he was that way, though. I mean, he, he was he, a good, good guy. Like, yeah, we never had any issues on the bus. Well, no. well, that we. <laughs> As long as you were in the front of the bus, you were okay. If you went to the back of the bus, then there was trouble. Of course. And that's why Todd and Kevin and Bills all stood, stayed up front. <laughs> yeah, Omi would always yell out to somebody, you know, Bills, come see me. You, you never wanted that. to hear that. No. No, you didn't. So, but uh, I will say I'd rather hear Bose come see me from Omi than hear it from Bakes. Bakes was oh, he, he was Bakes was else. a character. Tell me some stories that you remember about Bakes. You can paraphrase if you need to. I might have to. But, like, I just remember him at practice. Like, his biggest drill was always chipping the puck off the glass for the defenseman to try to get it together. Just, like, bellowing out, whether it's me, if it was Lindstrom, if it – oh, I'm trying to think who else we had on defense at that time. Like, he would just – he would get in you. But it was always for the right reasons. Yeah. And the best part is, like, all the little tricks. Like, I was a forward, so I was used to going to the front of the net and just planting my butt in front of the net and just getting beat up my entire playing career. And then I get Bakes as a defensive coach, and he's like, slash him on top of the skate. They'll move. They'll turn around two-hand you. Push him in the back of the legs. Push on their pants. Like, anything you can do to move that guy in front of the net – let McCaskey see it. Let Mim see it. Let Goldberg see it. Because he always called Greenberg Goldberg. <laughs> like that's, that's, that was his name. Like There was no Greenberg on the team. We had Mike Goldberg. Yep. <laughs> Mike, the Mighty Ducks, baby. And, but you think about like You look at where Billy coached before he coached the junior team. He was out of Bowser High School. Wow. Which he did it for the love of the game. Yeah. And when he came to the Cherokee and he helped out Omi's and the Robertsons and everybody in that organization. like He brought a really good knowledge of the game, which I don't think was valued at that time, to what he contributed to the program. He was just a really good, solid defensive coach. He was a little awkward. Like you said about Blaskowitz, like he was a couple fries short of a Happy Meal. But he was a good coach. I've learned so much from Baker on the defensive side that's helped me through playing at the ACHA D2 level when Toledo was there to now coaching. Like I still use those same drills now that I learned back in 2002, 2003. Wow. Now talk about what it was like with having the, uh, the, the, I probably one of my favorite people, one of the funniest guys, Kevin, Kevin Omi. See, Omi was a quiet coach, but when he spoke up, you're like, oh, he means business because he never really spoke up. Mm-hmm. In the locker room, it was always Todd or Billy chewing us out. And you think like that season, I think we were 26-0 and before we ran into the, the buzzsaw of St. Louis. Yep. At home, we did a back-to-back against St. Louis and Monroe. We were 26-0. and Like we were flying high. Like confidence was good. And then we ran into him. I think the one Statsny boy played for St. Louis at the time. Yeah. Was it Jan? Jan. Was it, yeah, because there's Jan, and, of course, there's what's-his-name Peter. Now? Uh, no, uh, uh, Peter's Paul. kid, Paul, Paul Stastny. Paul. Who's now yeah, – Actually, it wasn't Jan. It was Paul. It was Paul? It was okay. Paul at the time. And, like, they came into Monroe. I'm like, oh, we're 26 and 0. Like, let's go. Oh, wait a second. It's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. Like, we've been walking everybody, Wayne, Metro, Grand Rapids, Cincinnati, Columbus. Like, 
everybody's getting walked because we had a solid team. And then we ran into that buzzsaw. I was like, oh. And I remember Kevin just, like, lighting this up. Like, if you guys don't want to play in Toledo, get out. And that was all he said. He walked out of the locker room. And everybody, like, self-checked. We ended up losing the game, but, like, we played better and we became more of a gelled unit. And I actually talked to Kevin maybe a month ago at a softball turn because his daughter plays with my niece. Okay. My youngest niece. And just reminiscing about, like, the whole team and, like, hockey in general. Like, you never fall far from the hockey family. No, you don't. You don't. And I... I respect every single one of those guys. Like, I didn't play a full season, but I respect every single one of them because they've grown, groomed me into the coach that I am and helped me with my playing career in multiple different ways. You know, and that's what it's all about. Now, of course, you, after, after playing, uh, you, went to, you went to UT? Yep. And uh, did you play all four years? Or? I actually played two years. Okay. Um, I played – technically my sophomore and junior year at college and then the wife had graduated the year prior so she was two years ahead of me in school moved out to pittsburgh with her moved to akron found out we were expecting our oldest who actually just turned 12 yesterday wow happy Um, birthday so i i feel old you feel old i told her yesterday i was like i'm 365 days away from you being a teenager Thanks, thanks there, Troy. Yeah, like, I know. It's like, like you always say, like, every single guy you've called radio for yeah. is one of your kids. Yeah. And I appreciate that because I value it and I've seen it and we've had great conversations over the years outside of just TC, whether it's the Grace Speaks Red Wings fundraiser that you had me officiate, talking to you last year at the SAP game or all the other games that I've interacted with you with. And now I'm talking. I'm sitting about. I'm going to have a 13 year old next year. My youngest is playing travel hockey this year. Holy cow! Like, and then it's just amazing how fast like the world turns and how intertwined everything is. Yep. Because here I am sitting with you, and both kids are here watching dad speak with you, and he's playing hockey, and he's been in the the Cherokee organization the last two years, doing the learn to play. Wow. Like, it, it all intermingles one way or the other. Yes, yeah, and it brings it back to the current coaching regime because Kenny, I know Kenny Miller has his hand in that. So Kenny's the head coach. Um, ironically, I'm the head coach over at the University of Toledo at the D1 ACHA level, and Kenny's younger brother, Kelly, is my assistant. Wow. So it, it's literally everything's entwined. That's Well, like we say, hockey's a tie that binds. So uh, if you can think – of it and like i said if you need to paraphrase or give me some funny bus stories i mean obviously there are some things you know that happen on the bus i mean from poker to hot box to uh i mean just a little bit of everything it's a lot there were some scavenger hunts that were held in unforeseen areas of the bus Okay, um, that was that was always a good one. Here's a hundred pennies, and somehow every single group always found ninety nine. Oh dear! Um, obviously, the euchre games were always a big one. Yep. Um, the rookie talent shows, the just the stories, the camaraderie 
because like you think about like when I played, you had PJ Pinkerton, Chris Kraft. Oh yeah, from Economowoc, Wisconsin. Yeah. I remember him. Uh, Ryan Benke. Yep. He was another tough kid in his own. He's from and, like, Chicago, I so think. So we were we were a little bit younger. We still had those veteran guys with Kester and Mays and Pomponio and Opid, but we were really young. And the things that they would just off the wall come up with, it was like, how do you even come up with it? What did you have to do for the talent show? See, I was fortunate. I never had to do the talent show, but I got my rookie haircut. I had to do the rookie scavenger hunt on the bus within a secluded area of the bus. Um but like the rookie haircuts where they made us walk through the mall. I forget who it was, like I said earlier, who had the male pattern baldness. They make them walk through Victoria's Secrets and find something to pick out for their oh, girlfriend gosh. or whatever. Like just just off the wall stuff. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely insane. And I loved it. But my like shoe shining when we'd stop for like dinners, team dinners, and they'd be like, Hey, go shoe shine this guy. And you'd have to like crawl underneath the dinner table, get the ketchup and squirt it on their shoes and then crawl back to your seat and everybody do yell shoe shine they'd look down and there'd be a big glob of ketchup on the tip of their dress shoes before the game like just just random stuff but it was all in fun like everybody enjoyed it everybody had fun holy smokes that's that's creative i will give you that like you never would have thought about it no like Hey, I got to go to the bathroom, and the guy would just disappear. He never went to the bathroom. He'd end up underneath the dinner table, crawling like twelve seats down to get the last guy at the table with the the ketchup on the shoe, and then crawl back. Do you ever? Do you ever now when you see you know now that you're coaching you know of course at the college level, at UT do you uh, do you ever see the guys try and pulling pranks? Not so much pranks like. I caught like so last year was my first year coaching the college level, and the first one I caught wind of it was follow it was going to happen following a UT football game. They were doing the rookie Olympics or the freshman Olympics. Okay, I knew I kind of knew what was going on, but I couldn't put a finger on it, so I couldn't really say anything because I didn't know what it entailed. But as a hockey player, you kind of know what it entails. Yeah. So I ended up bag skating them that Monday. But, like, listen to the stories where these kids would come in the locker room. It was absolutely hilarious. So they ended up doing a rookie talent show on the bus. And from that Beer Olympics, like, apparently one of the uh, players soiled himself. Oh, no. So as the rookie talent show on the bus, coach over here decides he was going to buy a, a bag of Depends or a pack of Depends. And present it to the one freshman on the team that soiled himself. Beautiful. So, so, like, they always did, like, rookie court or kangaroo court or, like, hockey team court where they'd always call somebody out and they'd find them. And the, the boys would literally, like, exchange money for, like, stepping on the logo, not bringing in the water bottles from practice, not filling up the water bottles for a game. Whatever it was, like, they'd, they'd pay their fine. But, like, the rookie talent show was absolutely hilarious. It was probably one of the best times I had on the bus coaching at the college level, just, like, watching these guys sing, imitate other veterans, whatever it was. It was just absolutely a blast. I remember we used to have to, a couple of years, we had the uh, the, the we had 
the talent show on the bus where they had to tell they would take the uh, bus microphone from the bus driver and tell either jokes. tell jokes yeah. or uh, they try to sing and it was it was always everything was done with that with that handheld microphone yep. and it just was just awful. Those kids could not sing. They were not funny. They could not tell jokes. They didn't know how to deliver. They just were. They just would like say what um, I, uh, and then like blah. They just spill it out. And you, you, were, you it, it was funnier to watch them try to um, tell the joke. Yeah. It was that was funnier than it was than the actual joke itself. Yeah. I mean, I got up there twice and told jokes the way they're supposed to be told and. And we had a couple good laughs about it, but it was like, then I realized, you know, okay, these guys are 17, 18 years old, so you can't expect, you know. But they were still, I mean, some of those things were just hilarious because those guys were just so bad at it. And, like, for me, I kind of luck out because a lot of my freshmen at the college level are all junior age outs. So I'm getting the 19, 20, 21-year-olds that have played a couple years of juniors that are now looking to transfer and transition into the college level. But at the same time, like they still can't tell a joke to save their life. <laughs> and I can see where you can get up there and say, like some of the best laughs are just trying to watch them present it. Like, where's the punchline? You can't tell <laughs> because they're so monotone and they're just like, so nervous. They're not used to public speaking. Yeah. You know, so it just kind of, and you just sit there and laugh at them because they're such goofballs anyway. But the fact that they can't deliver it, they don't know how to deliver a joke or tell it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not perfect, but my gosh, at least I know how to tell one. So, but, so now, what do you look for now uh, when you are, you know, as a, the Rockets coach, uh, when you see kids come in from, whether it's TC or other programs like that, what do you look for? Our biggest thing like right now is obviously the heart and the compete level. Like, how willing are you to go into a loose, into a corner for a loose puck? Like, if I see you take a full stride and then just stop because somebody else is going to get there, we might question it. The biggest thing is just that compete level, and more so for us, like, we talk weekly right now with this whole COVID thing going on, like the Zoom call every single Wednesday. What are we looking for? It's personality off the ice. How are they in the locker room? How do they interact with their parents? How do they talk to us? Because in the long run, our biggest, and I'm sure Todd would say the same thing at the junior level and Kenny would say the same thing, like we're looking to make these players better individuals in life on top of grooming them to become better hockey players. So if I can get a foundation of a good individual coming into my locker room and at the same time hone their hockey skills, that's a win-win. For example, I had two kids at the end of this season, great kids, great players. One of them was the number one point getter in all of ACHA, D1, D2, D3, and Ian Rapp, who was our captain, graduated. Him and Nick Brabowski each had contracts to play at the SPHL level following the season, and they turned them down to start their career. Like, that, that says a lot. Wow. Because... You have guys that love the game of hockey that are really good at it, and their focus is furthering their life. Yep. Solid character. I've known Nicky Verbowski and Annie and Rapp. He was, he was another TC player. Yeah. 
Herbie yeah, was another TC guy. Yeah, he was uh, he was outstanding, and you know he worked hard. Uh, he he, I think he flourished more at the at the uh, at the collegiate level. I mean, he did. He played well at the at, at TC. Don't get me wrong, he did. He played really well, but he was more he was more in a uh, a, in a spot situation yeah. where you know he was utilized in specific areas. But once he got to UT, he, it's it's like all bets were off, and he just flourished. He he, he was grew a, into his role. He was the first kid I met when I accepted the job at UT, and he was like, "Whatever you need, coach." You let me know, we'll make it happen. And he was just that guy all season long. And we didn't have to say much in the locker room, whether it was me, Kelly Miller, Craig Trago, Kyle Measles. We all have hockey experience, Kelly more so than all of us. But we didn't have to say anything because Verby and Rap would step up and say those things. Like, listen, boys, like we're in a dogfight. We got to get out here and just produce. They're not better than us. We could beat anybody on any given day. We just have to do it ourselves. It's hard for a coach to come in and follow up with that. If your leaders of your team are doing that, there's really no reason for you to say anything. Man, I'm, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Before we go, is there any questions you have for me? So my question to you, and I've, I've been thinking about this since I got the text yesterday. Mm-hmm. What is your biggest or highlight at the Cherokee organization? Well, I mean, it's easy to say the national championship. That's sure. that's the easy one. But there was so much more than that. Watching, um, you know, I had Ben Wright on here, who was a goaltender. Mm-hmm. And he was the number three goaltender. I told him, I said, you're not third string. You're just the number three goaltender. I said, uh, you're, you're a first string guy. You're just in a, You're just in a numbers game here. And so, you know, and when he was named starter for the, well, back then it was the Gold Cup. Now it's mm-hmm. the Hurster Cup and yeah. whatnot. But uh, when he got this voted by his teammates unanimously, and we were in a restaurant, and the late, great Brian Kinsella. Uh, great guy. Yep. Love Kinsey. Will always. God rest his soul. Um, when he made that announcement in the middle of the restaurant, we weren't in a, in a back room. We were out in the middle of the restaurant, and he made that, and that entire place erupted. That was uh, one of those moments you mm-hmm. don't forget. No. Um, watching some of these kids uh, do special things, not only on the ice but off, uh, seeing how they, uh, you know, how they mature or mature, however you want to call it. I'm from the Midwest, so we say mature. But um, the maturation process, watching some of these guys who you think, my gosh, what a little snot, but then they become these wonderful husbands and fathers and coaches and whatever, working, you know. I To me, that is always the most important thing. I don't care what their business card says. I don't. All I care about is that they're good people. And that they are surrounded by people who love them and that they love and that they take care of each other. Uh, that has always been the most paramount thing for me. Uh, and so that, I mean, like I said, um, I loved that uh, runner-up team in 97. That was my first year. And I, I, that was just a wonderful group of guys. Uh, you know, 
the Deitch brothers, Renegar, all those guys were just something special. I mean, they were Gary Thomas. Yeah, Gary Thomas. Oh, can't say enough good things about him. Even the guys that didn't really dress a lot on that on that '98 team. You know, um, trying to think uh, uh, off the top of my head, there were several of them that did not. It was Josh Terza was our number three goalie. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else was on that team. There's a, there were several guys that were on there that didn't get to dress much, but that were still they were great kids. And um, I, I just remember all of those things, having fun, uh, just the laughs on the road. Uh, but I, I, I really enjoyed bonding with those guys. You know, the kids and their parents. You know, we would always have my room be the designated room to go to after games so they could have a couple of pops and stuff and unwind. And uh, that was always how it was. And we'd all go in there and have a few and, and talk about, you know, talk about the game, but talk about everything. I was going to talk about life. Yep. Yeah. You know, you talked about all that stuff. And I just enjoyed that bonding. And, you know, whether and regardless of coach, whether it was Searing and Omi, whether it was T.O. and Kevin or Bakes or, uh, you know, Varga with Luddy or, you know, Tarsh or Dunk. Kinsey, Dunk. Yeah, I mean, all those guys, uh, what do you call it, Dixie? I mean, Crowley, there was just a whole bunch of them. I mean, that I just cannot say enough good things about. Uh, and, th- and then later on, near, near my time finishing with Kenny Miller, uh, of course, with him and T.O. and Kelly and Nick Signs now on board. Yep. Uh, it's all it just it's a fr- it's a really tight family. And that's I think that for me is more important than any particular accolade or highlight. Now, don't get me wrong. I was blown away when they named the press box after me. Uh, my jaw dropped. I wept like a little schoolgirl. But uh, it's, and I, I can honestly say, like, of all my Cherokee memories, that's probably the highlight for me was the SAP game last year because you have done over 20-some years of broadcasting for the entire organization. Over a 1,000 games. And to see that happen and your reaction and see all the guys coming in from Florida across the country. Yeah. I, I can't. To recognize you was just huge. Because like I said, like I didn't play a lot. Yeah. But – I'm sitting in front of you because you you have made an impact on a lot of different people. And to see the support that you've had over the last year with your battles and everything and recognizing you for everything you've contributed to the entire hockey organization has been absolutely amazing. Thank you, first of all. I'm humbled. I genuinely am. I, I, I look at it, though, from a, a standpoint or from a a way of thinking of I got that accolade but it wasn't the accolade that I mean it meant everything to me it really did but what really meant even more was the journey you know the journey it's putting it Stummer put it I didn't realize how big of an impact it was until Derek Stum put it to me he said you know he said you were you went to California on your own dime and you broadcast it on the radio back to Toledo. And we were just, a, I mean, we were basically a bunch of nobodies because nobody, re- outside of Sylvania, nobody really knew who we were. And I'm like, you guys weren't nobodies. That's the thing. People just didn't realize just how important you guys were to the hockey fraternity here in Toledo, the hockey uh, community. 
I said, there's, I mean, because it's a, let's face it, it's a minor league hockey town. Toledo will always be. And that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with There's that. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm a big fan of the walleye and the storm back in the day and the gold diggers and the hornets and uh, et cetera. You know, I'm a big fan of all of that. It's wonderful. I will always be there. I just know that whether it's high school, uh, travel, and especially with the juniors, you know, with the Cherokee program, uh, whether it's small, Gataha, uh Back, the, back in the days of Toya, uh, I mean, all those things mean something. And my thought process was just they need just as much attention as, you know, the minor league teams do. Sure. And so that was my whole mindset going into this. It wasn't uh, to try and get myself as a stepping stone to get into the minor leagues or in the pros or whatever. I just wanted to go and scream like a schoolgirl and cheer on my favorite team. I wanted to be a fanboy, but in a, in a way that was done as as best of my ability, which wasn't always the best, but it was what it was, and I I don't regret a minute of it. It was as tiresome. you shouldn't, because I can tell you, like we're talking back when I played, you're talking AOL dial-up. Yep. And my wife, girlfriend at the time, would go to her parents' office and try to tune into the game. And listen to the game over the air. Like, it's your voice. I've said this to you before, but it's your voice that has made the Toledo Cherokee organization and Toledo hockey in Northwest Ohio all that more prominent. Because you you have put that voice in people's head, whether it's the high school level, whether it's the travel level, whether it's the Cherokee level. You've done all that. And that's the first reason as soon as I, and you know this, as soon as I got the call for the university of toledo like yep. will you call our games and i knew you were going through some issues and if you can make it i'd love to still have you out but you have done so much for this hockey organization and to have you honored during the sap game yeah that yeah. is that itself with that name attached to it just shows how much mick rodriguez means gonzalez but or gonzalez means to the Northwest hockey community. But uh, it's okay. You know, you know what's funny? Funny story. And first of all, thank you. Like I said, I can't thank you enough. I'll always love you forever like a brother, man. Uh, it's funny. You, you, you know, we talked about the Rodriguez-Gonzalez thing. There's a funny story. Channel 11's out there covering this, right? They, they put, they show me, and I would, like I say, I, I don't take this stuff lightly, guys. I don't. I was so honored and humbled by them honoring me this way, the Cherokee organization, which will always be my family forever. They go out and they honor me with the SAP award. And that was crazy enough. Then they unveil the Cherokee press box with my name on it. That, like, I, I wept openly. I didn't care. 20 years worth of memories and work put into that. That was the, 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 the payoff. And I could not be more thankful and grateful to the Miller family, you know, the Manders, all of them, you know, Lee Ekman, uh, you know, Colby, all the folks behind the Cherokee organization, not only recently, but over the years, whether it was Chuck LeMay, Chris Renegar, uh, Dr. McCarthy, those were the guys Mike that Richardson. started with it. Mike Robertson. Mike Robertson, yeah. Yep, he's the guy that pulled the banner down and, and stuff, so <laughs> on the press box. But then Channel 11, they're talking about me being honored on their news story that night. And they've got the lower thirds 
with my name, the ID tag, and they misspelled my name. And it was funny because they come, they're talking to me. They show a little clip of me being interviewed by them. And then they show as part of their B-roll, they show some of the stuff on the ice. And then they cut to the press box. And you see my name on the lower thirds of theirs misspelt. And you see my name on the press box spelt correctly. Properly spelled, yeah. And, not, and I laughed so hard when I saw that. I could not stop. And, and I, ran it, I ran into Christy Kapanis, who was the uh, weekend anchor, sports anchor who did it and, at later on. And I kind of I chided her about that. And she just laughed. And, I mean, it was one of those things that only in, only in, only in junior in, in hockey can you As they say, find. only in Toledo. Yes, that's true. It, it was one of those funny things. But, uh, you know, to me, like I said, it's, it was, I got the accolade, and I'm grateful for it. However, it was because of what you guys did. It wasn't, it wasn't me being, hey, look at me, I'm Ron Radio, and I'm going to, you know, no. It was, the, it was the guys out there, the, you know, like I said before, the Avinks, the Brickers, the, the Benjamins, the Howells, you know, and then later on, the Boses, the... Um, the uh, the Crawfords, the Lindstroms, the I mean, just I could even some of the crazy the Rauks. guys, the Rauks. Uh, so that, that, that was a story we should have touched on earlier. Oh, because our the year that they went back to the ice house. Yep, it was Varg's first year, mm-hmm. and Rauk kept two handing me. Let's go, Bose. Let's go, Bose. Like, dude, I'm not fighting you. He's like six one two ten. At that time, I was like. 511 a buck 65 like dude i'm not giving up 40 pounds on you <laughs> it's probably one of the best decisions in my life i've ever made he ended up playing three years in the echl yeah and i'm coaching club hockey at the college level like i'm okay man like yeah. we're good but it's funny because like every again it goes back to the community like he was a local boy he was just across the border mm-hmm. and he played, and then he retired from the walleye. And I was still coaching at Whitmer at the time. I said, hey, Phil, you want to come out and play an alumni game? Like, we're going to do the Toledo walleye or the Toledo hockey alumni. And it was Rauk. It was Rogers. It was Nick Perillo, Taylor Raska. Wow. We had Teddy, uh, Teddy Tucker was out there. Holy smokes. McDonald was out there. Bruce McDonald? Wow. So we had some names out there. I'm like, do you want to come play our high school team? I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't fight you. (laughs) So glad I didn't fight Phil. Uh, My face isn't pretty, but, like, he could have messed it up. Yes, he could (laughs) have. He could have very much so. His wife, like, I've known since she was little. Wow. Because I, I grew up playing with her brother, Steve, who ended up being a teammate of mine at the University of Toledo. And like, yeah. Phil, we're good. We're good, Rauk. <laughs> and you know what the funny thing is, is that he's probably one of the most quiet. He back then, especially he he, oh, he wouldn't he, say he, boo. No, would not say boo. And he was so quiet. Of course, now he's so good. I mean, because of business and everything, he's so good and effective communicator. But back then, I had him on our coaches show. Oh, he was mute. Yeah, he he was like scared to talk. He and was like, I I've literally enjoyed like everything you've done with this podcast. Because some of the names that have popped up, like the Pagorski brothers, mm-hmm. I coached both of them with Kyler Omi at the oh. age of like five. Oh my gosh! So Kyler Omi, the Pagorskis, like I played with Rauk, like 
even now, like, there's people I still see around the rink. I'm still intertwined with this TC family, and it's always going to be, and you're always going to be a part of that yeah. TC family, and you're a big part of it for a multitude of reasons. But, and it just amazes me what an impact one organization can have on an individual's life. Yeah. that's And see, that's the thing. I Again, I, I appreciate all the accolades, but it was always all the guys – it was the guys, the Cole Herbs of the world, even Blasco, who I loved dearly. He was a nutcase, but I loved him. I will say, you you said he's a, free, a few shy, a uh, few fries short of a Happy Meal. He, I don't know if you know this. He actually joined the U.S. Navy and has been doing well for himself. No, I did not know this. He, he's been in the Navy for years. And Larry, a career guy, Larry Willard. He's part of the JAG Corps down in Nashville. No, yeah. I did not know this stuff. Molnar's up in Toronto coaching like a triple-A program up yeah. in Toronto yeah, after I remember he left St. John's. After he left St. John's, yep. Um, Jonathan Haley, he's out in Fort Wayne or Illinois doing a dentistry. I see Col- uh, Kobe Peters every year because he comes in and does the mid-am selects. He helps out with the selection process for the young kids in USA Hockey. Wow. Like, Dan, again, a Dan Mace. Like, I talk to all these guys, and I see the younger guys. I, I had Pagorskis out during our winter break, mm-hmm. and they skated with us just to keep my UT guys in shape. Like, I used to coach you when you were five. Jeez. You're, you're making me feel old because I sat right over there at that table and there, well, they had a couple of pops, and we're talking about back in the day when they were, you know. I was listening to your podcast like – Mick has no idea what back in the day is because I coached them and babysat them before I coached or babysat Omis. Thing is, is that I remember those kids when they were that little. I just, I mean, yeah. And, and again, I like I said, I just remember all these kids. And it's funny because I still, you know, it's funny when I talk to some of the guys though that are that when I first started, and now those guys are in their forties. You yeah. know. Yeah. It's wow. I looked at Kellemeyer and I'm like, he's not that old. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is. But yeah. he, to me, he's like, I'm I'll be thirty five in a couple of weeks. Like he's not that old to me. But like you look back like when he played, he he was. He was a guy that I I truly grew my game after as a forward because he like you said, he was a guy that would go to the net and pick up all the trash. And with his his style and his physique, he was a Dino Cicerelli. He'd go to the front of the net and just bury every piece of trash that was there. Yep. And he was damn good at it. Yes, he was. <laughs> I will say that. He was definitely very good at that. But, you know, I, again, I always really appreciated what you brought to the game because you weren't, you weren't a pugilist. You weren't, but you weren't afraid to, but you weren't a pugilist. But what I always liked about you, Troy, was the fact that you weren't afraid. And if you, even if you were, you were still going to do it afraid. And you went at it, and you weren't afraid to mix it up and, and uh, protect, your, protect your guys, whether it was your goaltender or your defense partner or, you know, any of the guys that were out in front of the net. You weren't afraid to get in there and say, you know, back off. And that's what I always appreciated about you because you could, you could, your shoulder, you mean you weren't the biggest guy out there, but you played big. You know, and that's what I always enjoyed about watching you play. And then, of course, I got to appreciate you very much as a, as a, as a referee, and that was a blast because of uh, all the fun we had with the Grace Speaks Red Wing alumni games. Uh, those were those were a hoot. 
And, of course, uh, I think you also did the first Red Wing alumni game that we had in, I think, in Toledo, didn't you? Yeah. The very first one, that the very yeah. first time the Red Wings ever came to Toledo for an alumni So game. I did the, what was it, the Toledo Hockey Red Wings alumni. Mm-hmm. I did that game. And then I did the Grace Speaks down in Bowling Green. Yep. But I had ref from the age of 13 up until I was 26. I covered everything from mini mites up until I actually did college. And then I did the walleye uh, training camps. I did those games. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was 19. Like, you can't ref these. I'm like, I know. I I know I can't. But, like, they had nobody. Because what happened was they actually had guys coming in from the uh, CCHA Mm -hmm. to cover the walleye training camp. And they got stuck in Cleveland for a night because of a snowstorm. And they had nothing at the ice house to cover their games. Or no, sorry, it's a Wolfpack game. Okay. And they're like, and I showed up for, as a fan. I'm sitting there as a fan. They're like, hey, we have no refs. I'm like, well, I have my stuff in the car. They're like, can you go get dressed? So they throw me out there. And I was, I think I was 17, 18 at the time. Oh, my gosh. And there's a, there a line brawl. And all, it all broke loose. And they end up calling me back after that period. They're like, you need the bands. You have to wear the bands because you can't get in, in the middle of a fight. Because I was so young. As a linesman, your first job is to get in and yeah. break up any altercation after somebody hits the ice. Well, after that period, they called me off the ice. They're like, here's the orange bands. You just sit there and take numbers and let those guys do it. Wow. <laughs> wow. But, yeah, it, I, I've kind of dabbled in a little bit of everything, like you said at the very beginning of this. Played, ref, coach. And, w- honestly, my favorite part of this so far is I'm not coaching my son anymore. I get to sit back, and I get to be that sideline parent that just sits there and enjoys watching his kid play. Like, it's absolutely amazing. I have no stress. I coached the learn to play for the last two years, and my biggest stress at that point was my feet hurt. When can I get water? Or tell mom and dad to get out of the locker room so we can get on the ice. Like that was the biggest stress. Wow. So maybe I'll go to the rink and just watch him enjoy the game of hockey and just do what he enjoys has been absolutely priceless and minuscule to everything I do. Wow. It's awesome. Like I like man, I can't even begin to Man, that's just awesome. Just awesome. Well, man, Dennis only seems like it's been a few minutes, but we're uh we, we killed it. Nice job. Thank you, sir, for coming in and ha- hanging out with me, man. This has been a lot of fun. No, again, it, I just want to thank you for everything you've done for me individually, for the Cherokee organization, and the whole entire Northwest Ohio hockey communica- or, uh, community. I appreciate it, Mick. Well, thank, the thank you goes to you as well because you've done a ton of it yourself. So that's going to do it from here at Chateau Louise. want to thank the wonderful folks here at Chateau Louise for putting up with us, allowing us to come in here and do this podcast whenever we can and of course as we said this these podcasts drop every wednesday and every saturday so we thank you so much for supporting it don't forget give us a like and uh, we'll put like i said we'll keep putting them out as long as we can and well it's wonderful people like this guy across the uh, table from me that have made it such a blast to do 
So until next time, for Troy Bowes, I'm Mix, and so long, everybody. Here, you've been listening to Cherokee Rewind, and we'll talk to you again next time.